Hold your Bibles up real high sit, and repeat after me. Say, this is God's Word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And Father, as we hear the word today, I step back so the Spirit of God can minister life to your people. And I pray that today's word will root up, tear down, and build upon the foundation strong faith in their lives. So when they leave today, their lives will change because they have understood the word. And when understanding comes, breakthrough happens. And so we thank you today for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our message on last week was overcoming stress. Look at your neighbor and say, you look better this week. (laughs) There were three things that we learned on last week about overcoming stress. The first thing we learned is that stress is a choice. Everybody say stress is a choice. Stress is a choice, and we established that principle found in a scripture of John 14, 27. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Watch what he says. He says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We also look in the NLV, NLT Bible in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where he said, Don't worry about anything. But pray about everything. So if you and I have the ability to let not our hearts be troubled, then stress is a choice. Everybody say stress is a choice. The second thing we learned on last week is that our thoughts control our stress. Everybody say my thoughts control my stress. Amen. It's not the situation that is stressing us out. It is our thoughts about the situation that's stressing us out. It's not your job that's stressing you out. It's your thoughts about your job that is stressing you out. It's not your relationship that's stressing you out. It is your thoughts about your relationship that's stressing you out. And then finally, the third thing we learned on last week is that the solution to stress is the peace of God. Everybody say the peace of God. And so the goal of the message that I have today, if you're taking notes, our message title is Overcoming Stress Using Biblical Meditation. Overcoming Stress Using Biblical Meditation. And the goal of the message today is to help you understand biblical meditation. Notice I'm saying biblical meditation because there are other types of meditation in the world. I'm talking about biblical meditation. And so the goal is to help you understand what that is, but also uh, use biblical meditation to help you manage stress 
And then watch this. Utilize biblical meditation to help enhance or watch this now. Bring in the manifestation of God's promises in your life. I'll show you that. Now, if you will, we're going to look at three verses this morning. Key verses. John chapter 16, verse 33. Then we're going to look at Psalm 1, 1 through 3. And then we're going to go over to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. I'll say those again. John 16, 33. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, and then Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Let me say this up front. If you will get the principle of what I'm teaching you today, your life will never be the same. What I'm teaching you today will take you from having an average life to living the more than abundant life. What I'm talking about today is what the world is trying to get that we already have. Amen. So last week I ended the lesson that I was teaching explaining how to walk in the peace of God. And so I want to start there today because biblical meditation is one of the things that you and I have and can do to walk in that peace of God that God has given us. Now John chapter 16 verse 33, I'm going to start here. It said, and this was Jesus talking, he said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me, everybody say in me. He said, in me, you might have peace. Listen, you're not going to find peace in anything else other than Jesus Christ. You can try drugs, you won't get peace. You'll get high, but you won't get peace. Amen. In this world, watch what he says, you are going to have tribulation. But then he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, here is the question that I have. Because notice he says, these things I have spoken unto you. So he was talking to his disciples and he said some things to them. But whatever these things that he said to them was the things that he said they ought to have peace because of what he said. So here's the question. What were the things that Jesus said in order for them to have the peace that he was talking about? Well, I want to summarize because he tells those things in verses 22 through 33. Now in verse 22, I'm just summarizing. He said to his disciples that he would see them again because he told them he was leaving. He would see them again and that uh, the world or no one would be able to rob your joy. Let me just say this. The joy that God has put on the inside of you, it is up to you to let someone take it. Verse 30, verse 23 through 27, he said to the disciples that from that point, all they needed to do if they needed something was to ask the Father in his name. Verse 31 says that they would be scattered eventually. They would all go their own way and they would leave Jesus. And then verse 32, 32, he says to them, although you may leave me, I'm not alone because my father is with me. And then that's when he says, verse 33, where he says, these things I have spoken unto you. Now, why did I go over that? I went over it because I wanted you to see, watch this now, that their present peace was based on previous knowledge. I'm going to say that again. When Jesus was talking to them and he said, now, these things I say unto you, I said it for you to have peace. What I want you to see is that their present peace was based on previous knowledge. Everybody say their present peace was based on previous knowledge. The disciples' present peace was based on Jesus' previous words. Okay, let me say it like this. 
Jesus said, all these things are going to happen. All you have to do is ask me for the things you need. And then watch this. On top of that, know that I've already conquered the world. So their knowledge of their future along with having the solution to their future problems, had already been taken care of, that, knowing that, was going to allow them to walk in the peace of God. And see, this is why I'm going to teach you biblical meditation today, because when you understand this, you'll see that it allows you to see the solution for future problems. It'll let you see the future for future problems or even present problems. And if you already know the answer to a problem before it surfaces, you ought to have peace. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, how many have ever pre-recorded a show or a football game or a sports uh, game that you like? Anybody have ever done that? Devo, TiVo, record, right? Well, meditation is just like recording your favorite game. Let's say, you know, you were recording it because you couldn't watch it. And when the game was over, you found out that the team you were rooting for won the game at the last minute. When you get home to watch the game for yourself, because I still would watch it, the game may be interesting to you, but you're not stressing yourself out because it looks like your team is not going to lose. You already have previous knowledge of what happened So now you're just watching the process because you already know the outcome of the game. Well, meditation is the same way. When you and I meditate on the Word, what we're doing is meditating on the solution before the problem even comes. Someone say amen to that. So let's look at what meditation is and how it works and then the results of it. Because some of you are going to have to listen or watch this message several times. That's three words, several. Because you've never heard this before. Now, before you dismiss anything I'm teaching you, don't believe it because I'm teaching it to you. Believe it because I'm teaching it out of the Word. Okay, so now let's go to Psalm chapter 1 because this is one of the verses that has the word meditation in it. So we're going to look at what meditation is, how it works, and what the results of it is. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor do they stand in the way of sinners, nor do they sit in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2 But their delight is in the word of the Lord, or the law of the Lord, and in his law, in God's word, does he meditate, how long class? Day and night. Now that is possible. In fact, most of us already know how to meditate. How many have had a problem in your life, you did not know how to solve it, and it swirled in your head till you got tired of it doing it? I mean, you just kept, it, it's almost like you couldn't stop it. It just kept coming around, kept coming around. Well, that's meditation. That's just doing it in, in reverse. It says here, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, does he meditate day and day? Watch verse three. And he, this person who meditates in the word day and night, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever this person who learns how to meditate does, he shall what? 
he shall prosper. So watch this now. Meditating in the word produces three things. Number one, it produces fruit. Number two, it produces success. And number three, it produces prosperity. You say, well, Pastor Evan, where'd you get that from? Well, go back now in verse three. He says, and he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. There's number one. His leaves shall not wither. That means whatever you touch works. That's, that's success. And then he says, and whatever you do shall prosper. So when you and I learn how to meditate, three things are going to happen. We're going to produce fruit in our lives. We're going to have success and then we'll have prosperity because there are people who have success, but they don't prosper. Oh, I know some rappers who have sold millions of records, but they're broke because they got into a bad contract with an attorney. All those cars you see and all that bling you see is rented. They still on their mama couch. Rapping about the good life. So let's look at this word meditate in the New Testament. Because here's what I'm trying to do. I want to establish the fact that meditation is not an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. It's a God thing. God gave you and I an imagination for a reason. When we were kids, we used to pretend, but pretending and using your imagination are two different things. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, it uses the word meditation. He says, he was talking to Timothy, this was Paul. He says, Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Verse 15. He says, Timothy, I want you to meditate upon these things. What things? The gift that was put in you, the prophecy that was given you, and when they lay hands on you, I want you to meditate on these things. Watch this. And then I want you to give yourself wholly to them. See, watch this. So, Your profiting may appear to all. He says, I want you to do this thing and I want you to meditate on what what you've been told. And as you meditate on it, I want you to do it. And when you do it, people are going to see the success in your life. When you look up the word meditate, it means to imagine. Now, let's, let, let me show you this word. You don't have to turn there. They're going to put it on the screen. But let me show you this word meditate. The Greek word meditate, let me show it to you in a different verse, but it has a different English word. Watch this. Acts chapter 4 verse 25. It says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? Watch this. And the people what class? Come on class. What did the people do? They imagined vain things. The word imagine is the same word meditate. So when God is talking about meditating, he's talking about using your imagination to see the solution to whatever you're going through. And I'm going to show you how to do that in just a second. So let's look now at this word meditate one more time in Joshua 1.8. Because this is the, the foundation of where I want to springboard from. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Now, let me give you the definition of this word meditate. It's similar to the New Testament one, but it has some, some other ingredients to it. So the word meditate in Joshua 1.8, it means to mutter. In other words, you're saying something to yourself. It's, it means to utter. That means you're saying it to yourself, but it's loud enough for you to hear. One of them is under your breath. It's the one that you used to say and talk back to your mother with. Go clean that room. Uh-huh, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, you know. that's, that's mutter. That's mutter. 
Now, you got in trouble if your mutter changed to utter. Because utter means they heard it. That's when you get slapped. It means to mutter. It means to utter. It also means to roar, to say out loud. And then it also means to imagine. So watch Joshua 1.8. I want to show you something because I'm going to give you a take-home point that's going to change your life. It says, this book of the law, the word of God, notice now Psalm 1 and Joshua 1 has the same thing in common. It's talking about you must start with the word. He says, this book of the law, the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein how long? Day and night. And then you must observe to do what's written. And then after that, he says, you will make your way prosperous and you will have what kind of success? Good success. So watch this now. There's a take-home point that I want you to write down. This is the results of meditating in the Word. If you say it, if you will see it, then you will have it. I'm going to say it again because I missed one. If you will say it, and see it, then do it, then you'll have it. Everybody say, if I will say it, and I see it, and when I do it, I'll have it. Now, 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 if you just look through there, notice he says, first of all, the first thing, it can't, it, you can't let anything else come out of your mouth but the word. He said, don't let it depart out of your mouth. And listen, this is why I believe in confession. You can say what you want to. That's how you got saved. It says, if you will confess with your mouth, the what? The Lord Jesus. And then you have to believe in your heart. Notice the process. You have to say it and then believe it. You don't believe it and then say it. You say it and then believe it. And here's the problem. When you're doing confessions, you're not trying to convince God to do something. You're not. Listen, the power has already been released for him to do it. You're not trying to get God to do something when you're confessing. What you're doing is confessing until you believe it. He said, don't let it come out of your mouth. Then you need to meditate. You need to imagine day and night. Then you need to do what you need to do. And then he says, you will make your way prosperous. So let's look at at an example of God helping someone use this, this meditation or this spiritual vision to bring some things to pass. Go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. And so I'm going to show you something because Joshua used... Remember now, God was talking to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. He's about to, he he told Joshua, this is how I want you to fulfill the things that I want you to do in your life. I need you to meditate in my word. I need you to let it come out of your mouth only. So now, Joshua is in a situation. God has led him to do something. So in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho, now y'all all all know what Jericho was. Remember the Jericho wall, what? Came down, right? So this is now the story about it before it came down. Verse 1, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, because of the children of Israel, nobody went out and nobody came in. Watch verse 2. And the Lord said to who? Notice now, before anything jumps off, the word comes. And I tell people all the time, don't jump out until the word jumps in. 
the word of the Lord, God said to Joshua, see. Watch this now. I have, let me ask you a question, is have past, present, or future? It's past tense. He says, Joshua, I need you to see. Because I have, I've already given to you Jericho. Now, when you look up the word see, it means to gaze, to have vision, and to have an experience. And you say, well, what, what, what was God saying? God was saying to Joshua, for him, watch this now, to visualize himself winning the victory over Jericho before it happened. He said, Joshua, see, I need you to see, it's already done. Not that I'm going to do it. Because see what happens, sometimes it's in the middle of the battle that we need to see the battle is already done. And so Joshua, God told him up front, I need you to see mentally, I need you to visualize, watch this now, that Jericho has already been defeated. And the word see doesn't just mean to look at something. Because you can see and look at something. But it means to see beyond and then visualize. Now, Joshua, uh, Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to show you the same word that he said to Joshua to see. Let me show you the same word in Genesis chapter 4, but it's a different uh, English word. This is when the serpent came to Eve about the fruit. He says in verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For notice he's given her visual words. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You will be like God's, knowing good and evil. Now I want you to watch verse 6. Because this is where now using your imagination for negative things becomes bad. That's why he says, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Watch what he says here in verse 6. And when the woman, what class? Okay, see that word saw is the same word over there in Joshua. When he said, Joshua, see, she saw, she visualized, she internalized that the tree was good for food. Was it? Was the tree good for food? Everybody say no. No, it wasn't good for food. God told him not to eat it. But because she saw inside that it was good to her, it says that she saw that the tree was good, It was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. And what happened? She ate it and she gave it to her husband. In other words, Eve did the meditation process backwards. She allowed herself to see something she shouldn't have done. And most of the sin that we get involved in was visualized before we did it. See, the world calls that premeditated murder. You kill them before you kill them. Oh, yeah. Listen, most of the time when you you have carried out the task of cussing somebody out, you pre-cussed them out in your mind. You've already gave them a piece of it. You know, people say, "Ah, I'm going to give them a piece of it. You did. You gave them a piece of your mind. Biblical meditation, watch this now, is taking what God has said, listen to me, and seeing that promise fulfilled in your life. I'm going to say that again. I want you to get this. Biblical meditation is taking what God has said 
And then seeing that promise fulfilled in your life. Okay, let me give you a good example. This is a real example. I have several, but I'm, I'm going to use this one. Because this was the first time that this has ever happened to me this way. So when we were leaving the elementary school as a church, because we outgrew it, and I prayed and I was like, Lord, what do you want us to do next? Do you want us to have two services here? Because we can do that. Or do you want us to move? Now, honestly, I didn't want us to do two services because I wasn't ready to preach twice. I was like, you know, I'll do it, but, but what do you want us to do? And so as I was praying, I'll never forget, I was upstairs in my media room praying. And while I was praying, I started praying in the Spirit, and God gives me a vision. First time I'd ever gotten a vision from God. In this vision, I was in an auditorium, and this auditorium was a place that I knew I was supposed to be preaching at. And he said to me, Evan, that's the place. I was like, cool. So I stopped praying. I got in my car to look for this place. I mean, I drove everywhere. I drove everywhere. And finally, I said, Lord, where is this place at? Because I'm running out of gas. He said, well, had you asked me where it was, because I didn't, he said, I'd have told you up front. I said, then where is it? He says, it's on Eden Street. I said, Eden Street. But Eden Street, so before I said which direction on Eden Street, I just went down the part of Eden that I know it wasn't a dead end. And I started driving all like that. I started looking at all the warehouse. I'm like, where's this place at? It don't look like nothing that I saw in this vision. And finally he says, I want you to go the other direction. I said, there's a dead end down there. He says, I know that. So I went down the dead end, and for the first time, I have been living in Mansfield, Arlington, what, 20 years, 25 years now. I had never gone down Eden Street in the other direction because I knew it was a dead end. When I get down there, it's a dead end, and guess what I see? Seguin High School. So I go in there, and I inquire of an auditorium. I say, well, we have one. I say, well, can I look at it? They say, sure. They took me in there, and when they cut the lights on, it was the same room I saw in the vision. I said, this is it right here. So then I, 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 I went to the school, and I said, hey, you know, can we have church here? And the principal told me no. Well, the, the whole biblical principle I'm giving you, the no didn't bother me because I already saw in advance what God wanted us to go didn't bother me. Now, I knew it bothered some of my church members, so I had to help them. But let me tell you what I did to keep myself in faith. I would go to that school every week, sometimes two and three times a week. And I would say, hey, can I go in there and see the auditorium? And I came so much, they just, as soon as I walk in, they just, I ain't had to sign in. They just point me down that direction. I would go into the auditorium. It was empty. I would cut the lights on and I would stand on the stage and I would see our church having church and I would see the room being full. Well, after four no's, guess what happened? We got a yes. Why did we get a yes? Because I got in agreement to what God said. Watch this. And I chose to believe what I saw before I saw it. So let me kind of, oh man, I have no time today. Jesus, Lord, help me in Jesus' name. 
Okay, I'm out of time right here. So let me give you three kinds of experiences real quick. Three kinds of experiences because I just described one, but I want to tell you what these experiences. So you can have a physical or natural experience. That's when you go through something, okay? That's something real. That's like you go through a job interview and it's a real job interview, all right? So that's a natural experience. And then you have a soulish experience. A soulish experience is something that takes place in your mind. A, a, a good example of that is when you dream. How many have ever had a dream at night? And you dreaming and you running from a dog, right? And you wake up breathing hard, <sighs> sweating. Wasn't even a dog. Run. I mean, you, your mind thought it was a dog. And then here's the third experience, and that's a spiritual experience. And this is something that has to be initiated by God. It can come in a dream, in a vision, or an inside picture. Now, I want you to understand something about those three different experiences that I just told you about. Our belief system cannot distinguish the difference between those experiences. In other words, when you believe, your belief system doesn't know the difference between the physical experience, that soulish experience, or that spiritual experience. And that's why we learn how to believe in all three of those. And that's why the world says, I won't believe it until I can... That's a physical experience. But you and I are spiritual beings. We have to take it a step further. And so what God wants us to do when we meditate, watch this now, the potential to believe is released. In other words, you can perceive it. If you can perceive it, you can believe it. And if you can believe it, you can receive it. And so when you meditate, watch this, you're using the canvas of your imagination to see your end result. I'm going to say that again. When you're using your imagination, you're using the canvas of your imagination to see the end result. You say, well, Pastor Evan, what do you mean? This is why when we built this building, I had a virtual tour put together on the website. I wanted you to see how the building looked on the outside, and I wanted you to see what the building looked on the inside. Why? Because that right there would create, watch this now, a soulish experience for you. So that way, that way you were able to overcome all the persecution from all the people who said, y'all still in the school? Come on, how many of your friends have ever asked you that? Raise your hand. If they ever ask you, are you still in that school? Well, I'm trying to see which way to go because I really, I hate to be in the middle of something and just leave you hanging. Okay, so uh, go to Genesis 15. Let's just go to Genesis 15. I, I'll, I'll end here some kind of way. I'll end here some kind of way. Uh, I'm going to show you another example of God helping someone use their imagination to see the promise that he's made them. And I'm going to show you how it made this person believe. Watch this now. Genesis 15, verse 1. It says, In these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a what? Notice Abraham ain't making this up. God spoke to him. He says, Fear not, Abraham. I'm your shield and your exceeding reward. And watch Abraham's response. Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me? Watch this now. Seeing I go childless. I want you to notice that Abraham saw himself childless. Now God had already given him a promise that he was going to give him a seed, right? He had already told him that. But see, Abraham still saw himself childless. He said, hey God, what you going to do? Seeing I'm childless. 
In verse 3 it says, And Abraham said, Behold, to me you have not given me no seed. And lo, the person in my house uh, is, is mine heir. He's talking about Ishmael. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be your heir. But he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. Watch what God does for Abraham. And he brought him forth abroad. And he said, Abraham, I want you to look now toward what class? Look toward heaven. I want you to look at the stars and see if you are able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall your seed be. He said, Abraham, I want you to look up. See all those stars? Yeah, I see them, God. He said, that's how many offspring you're going to have one day. He gave Abraham a visual of the promise that he had already given him. And watch what happened. Remember now, Abraham initially saw himself as, as childless. Well, let's see what that vision did for Abraham. Watch what it says there in verse 6. And he did what, class? Come on, class. He did what? He did what? He did what? And that's the problem for some of you. You don't believe. And you know why you believe? don't believe? It's because you haven't internalized the promise enough. I didn't know how long it was going to take, but I knew we would be in this building one day. So how do we apply this when it comes to stress? How do we apply this? Here's number one. Here's number one. When it comes to stress, you got to get a promise that solves your stress. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's say, because remember, if you say it and you see it and you do it, you'll have it. So this is how it works. So let's say the promise you are believing for is to be well, is to have good health. Let's say that's the thing that you want. Well, Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their, their destructions. You have to now personalize that. He sent his word and healed me and delivered me from all my destruction. Here's another one, Isaiah 53.5. But he, Jesus, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. So you have to say it. Everybody say, you have to say it. Here's the second thing. Then you got to see it in your mind. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Listen, that's why we have cell phones, videos, and photos these days. If you're not, if you're not well, put some pictures around you of when you were well. Put it on your screensaver. Put it on your phone. See yourself well. See some videos of yourself when you were 100% in health. Look at yourself. So that's what Jody Osteen, uh, 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 what's her name? Dodie Osteen. When she was diagnosed with cancer, she just put all pictures around her when she was well. You got to see it. And then you got to do it. You say, well, what do I do? You got to act healed. Most of us don't act healed because we want the sympathy. If that healing involves you eating right, start doing that. Start doing in the natural what you know you need to do. You don't lose weight and then exercise. You exercise, then lose weight. Everybody say you got to do it. So... I want you to go back over this over and over because here's the thing. When you meditate in the word and it says you will prosper, you got to now take that verse and see it working in your life. 
I see my accounts having large balances in them. Come on, I'm going to take you on a journey. Close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I'm going to take you on a journey right now. I'm going to take you on a journey. See, see, he says that you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. See yourself the boss. At work, you, you're not the supervisor no more. You're the, you're the director. See yourself telling everybody what to do. See yourself serving everybody. You walking in with donuts because they all work for you. See, see your money not being funny no more. Go home and, and write a check to the church that you ain't never had the money to write and put it somewhere until God brings it to you. Oh, that's good stuff right there. See yourself prosperous. Don't see yourself in the hoopty no more. I know you got to drive it when you leave. But see yourself in the car you want to drive. And then go to the dealership and do a test drive. It ain't going to cost you nothing but your driver's license. That's all they ask you for when you go do the test drive. Go see. And then while you're sitting in it, take a video of yourself so you can always go back and look at it. Because if you can, if you say it, you will see it. And if you see it, you can believe it. And if you believe it, you can have it. Because Jesus said, you will have what you say. And there's some doubters sitting in the room right now. I ain't never heard nothing like that. Well, you're hearing it for the first time. What you going to do with it? How is where you are working for you right now? I'm trying to take you from one level to the next level. Whatever head by and every eye closed. I know we went over about five minutes. Thank you for being patient. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. He can't speak to your spirit as a son.